excited? Please, 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 if you're a lady in here, we would love for you to come join us and be a part of our women's conference. And like you just saw, you can register online and even stop at the guest services after service. So we'd love to see you there. And some of us guys are gonna be serving the ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So please make plans to be there. Another thing I wanna let you know about, just some housekeeping stuff before we get moving, is uh, baptisms on October the 10th. We're gonna be having some baptisms here at the, at the church in the middle of service. And so we already have people lining up to, to get baptized. And if you're one of those people, we would love for you to get signed up, get involved, get connected. You can go to online or you can go to the guest uh, services as well. And another thing, just to let you know about that's really exciting, is that we are offering on the first Wednesday of October, no, yeah, October, I don't know what's going on, on October, we have a class for your children. If you want your children to know about baptism, we're gonna offer that on the first Wednesday. If you want your children to sit in that class, our, our kids ministry is making that available so that your children can learn about baptism. I was, I was baptized, I think, at eight or nine years old, and then I've been re-baptized since then because in the Jewish culture, they do believe that you can be baptized more than one time. And you're in different places, different spaces, and different times of your life, and so I don't think it's unscriptural to be re-baptized again if you're one of the people that say, you know what, I've gone through some stuff, I'm in a different season in life, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm in a new place in my faith, and I would like to get re-baptized, that is possible as well. So please go online, sign up, go to the guest services, we'd love to get you in the water. The baptism, when we get baptized in water, it is an outward expression of an inward work, and so I think God's doing some new stuff at Vibrant Church. I think it's a, a spiritual time, and I believe that this is a perfect time if you're one of the people that want to get baptized. We would love to have the honor to baptize you here on Sunday morning on October the 10th. Okay, you good? Okay, good, good. Starting uh, next week, this is kind of a precursor uh, message to the next four weeks. I'm doing a series called Field Guide starting next Sunday. And it's gonna be four weeks leading up to Real Talk Kim. And we're gonna be having a really good series. I'm really excited about the life of our church, where we're going, what it means, why we're here, why do we exist. But today... Just to get started, I wanna preach on the, the deepest topic you've ever heard in your life. Here we go, the church. Are you ready? We're gonna talk about the church today. All right, I recently heard a story. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories I've heard is a lady was attending, an older lady was attending a service at a little country church, and the pastor stood up and said, church, uh, we are in need of a financial miracle, our air conditioner went out. So he calls the ushers up and says, pass the giving plate around the church. And the usher passes the giving plate around the church and sets the, the, the offering plate on the altar where the pastor's standing. He looks in and he sees a crisp $100 bill. And the pastor says, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Whoever gave the $100 bill, uh, I want you to stand. I'm gonna let you pick uh, three hymns today. So this little old lady stood up. She goes, that was me, Pastor. He goes, okay, you can pick three hymns. She goes, okay, I'll take him, I'll take him, and definitely him. <laughs> Everybody say the church. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Now, Jesus says to you, 
that you are Peter, talking to one of his disciples, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What Jesus is saying to Peter is that I'm going to use you to start this movement of the church, and this church will be a movement that even hell itself cannot stop. They even hell itself cannot stop. I believe that the church is God's plan A to save the world, and there is no plan B. Now, I've heard people say this, that I love God, but I don't like the church. That's like you going home today and telling your wife, baby, I love your face, but I hate your body. <laughs> Am I helping anybody? That I believe that the church is not a man-made idea. The church is a God idea. And the only thing God is building on the earth today is the church. And so what I wanna do today is take you through the book of Acts in an overarching view. We're gonna fly over the book of Acts today in the next 35 minutes, and I wanna discuss with you four things that I believe that we should be seeing in the church today. Are you ready? The book of Acts was written by a physician named Luke. It is the recorded history of the Christian faith after Jesus' ministry. It is called the book of Acts because it records the actions of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and the early church. The book of Acts is our documentation of the early church and I believe is the blueprint for how we are to experience our new lives in Christ, not just individually, but also corporately. Are you with me? So one of the things, one of the early things I want you to catch that I believe that we should find in our church is this right here. You ready? Miracles. Miracles. Miracles happen to reveal the power of God in divine moments through the work of the Holy Spirit. Miracles. A church should have enough space in its setting or in its services or in its gatherings or in its prayer time or in its, uh, in its small groups or in its youth services that we should have enough space to believe in the miraculous. Let me just show you a little bit here. In the, in the New Testament, we're going somewhere today. This is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter three, a lame man was healed. For 40 years, I believe, the man was, was, could had to be carried, and, and Peter and John walked by, looked at him, said, silver and gold have I none. They thought he was begging for money. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. A miracle happens, and it was right in front of the church. Here's another one, Acts chapter 5. It says uh, that the apostles were, were imprisoned, and they were freed by an angel. That's in the Bible. Okay, here's another one. The sick were brought and were healed. Acts chapter 5, 16, 15, 16. The sick were brought and they were healed. Here's a couple more. A woman was raised from the dead. You know, this is not for the Bible times. This is for today. A woman was raised from the dead. Here's another one. Paul is unaffected by a snake bite. A poisonous snake bites him, and the Bible says he shakes the snake off, 
and he's not even harmed by the bite. And the people who observed that moment was like, this, this, is, this is supernatural, right? The miracles should be expected when we come together. In the book of Acts, there are 20 specific miracles. There are nine group miracles. In the ministry of Jesus, there are roughly 40 miracles. In the book of Mark, it is nearly one-third of all verses deals with miracles. In fact, in the book of John chapter 20, John said that you couldn't write all the books in the world to talk about the miracles and the miraculous things that Jesus did on earth while he was here. All the books in the world, it could not be recorded. So maybe you're in the room right now and you're thinking, oh my goodness, Pastor Ethan, this is weird. You're talking about the supernatural and the power of God, and I'm not too sure about this, Pastor Ethan. And let, let me just say something to you. Many of us have had some bad experiences when it comes to the supernatural. Many of us have seen some things, heard some things, experienced some things, and, and, and you're just like, uh, no thank you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've just seen some stuff, you're like, if that's the power of God, I don't want that. Am I just by myself on that? And, and, and what, here's the reality that many of us have prayed for God to do something supernatural, and it didn't happen. You prayed for a family member to get well. You quoted every scripture you, know, you knew to quote. You prayed every prayer you knew to pray. You contacted every pastor you knew to contact, and that person or individual still passed away. How do you explain that? So we create a theology based on our bad experiences. And not only that, but I believe there's also an element that many of us have been taught that the supernatural doesn't continue to today. Are you with me? I'm just gonna teach today. If you don't like what I'm saying, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you. This is, this is a teaching right here that is very, very common. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to play my cards today and just, and just talk to you, okay? Here, here's, here's one of them. Cessationism. This is the teaching that miracles and the supernatural power of God has ceased with the death of the last apostle. There were 12 apostles that were with Jesus. Judas betrays Jesus, takes his own life. They call in another guy, a backup quarterback. They then now are the 12 disciples. When the last one dies, which is the apostle John, the teaching is that when the last apostle dies, that there is no supernatural work on the earth anymore. And they would argue that God only did miracles and supernatural work through the apostles as a sign to validate or to authentic, uh, authenticate the message of the gospel. It's a great concept. Unfortunately, as we're gonna go through in just a moment, it's erroneous. Many people don't realize that Thomas Jefferson, there's a book, a Bible called the Thomas Jefferson Bible, and it's focused specifically on Jesus. But none of the miraculous works are in that Bible. Thomas Jefferson took a pair of scissors and cut out of his Bible every miraculous work, you can look this up, that Jesus did. He preferred to look at the teachings, the moral standards, the ethics of Jesus, but did not want the miracles of Jesus. I know there are people who are so adamant about this position that they would be disappointed if God even did a miracle. They would, they would be very hurt. They, they, they would be so confused that if God did something supernatural. 
And to me, let me just speak for myself. And to me, this doesn't make a lot of sense that they get the power of God and now that we have nuclear weapons, now that we have wars and rumors of wars, and now that we have uh, pandemics and division and, and divisiveness and, and, and corruption, we can't have the power of God. Does that make any sense to anybody? So just so you know, just so you know, Pastor Ethan, what is your belief? I tell you this right here. I'm a continuationist. I'm gonna explain what that is. I believe that this is what our church, this is the spirit of our church, is that miracles and supernatural power of God are still active today and God continues to use them to build up his church. The Bible says in Mark 16 that signs will follow them that believe. Not just them that believe in signs and wonders. Signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. So that if you are a Christian, you call on the name of Jesus, you gave your life to Christ. I want to encourage you to open your life to the supernatural power and the presence of God in your day-to-day -day life and in our corporate gathering together. Right? Let's stop trying to remove the supernatural from the church. Let's start expecting the supernatural in the church. Now you may be thinking, okay, Pastor Ethan, that's just your theory. All right, let me go with you. Let's go together. We're teaching today, all right? We're just teaching. Everybody good? Back section, smoking section, you guys good? All right, thumbs up from the back. All right, here, let's show you. These are, these are instances in the Bible that were not apostles that worked in the supernatural power of God. I'm just gonna go through them. 70 people, uh, if you wanna take pictures of this, I don't have time to go through all of them. Uh, number two, at least 108 people. Uh, Stephen in Acts chapter six, Philip, Acts chapter 8, Ananias, Acts chapter 9, church members in Antioch, Acts chapter 13. These are people that were not apostles that God used to do miraculous things through. Here's another set. Anonymous converts in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. The women in Caesarea in Acts chapter 21. The unnamed brethren in Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Believers in Rome's, Rome, believers in Corinth, Christians in Thessalonica, are you seeing this? These were not of the 12 that Jesus picked. So the teaching of cessationism is the fact that if they were picked by Jesus, then they were the ones that had the supernatural gift. But that, as we can see clearly, that's not true. There were plenty of cases, just 12 I pointed out, that there were people that had the power of God working in their life. Pastor Ethan, what are you trying to say right now? I'm trying to tell you this, just be open just be open to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to come to church with just intellectualism. You don't want to attend a church that just has really great teaching and theology. You also want to come together that when you raise your hands and a tear runs down your face and, and God's presence is in the room, you want to come where God is going to be felt and experienced in the room. God is not just to be intellectually understood or known. He's also to be personally experienced. And you do not have to throw out your Bible to open up your life to the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to throw out the Holy Spirit to open up your Bible. You can have both. Are you hearing me today? So we find in the early church 
that there are miracles. There are the supernatural gifts and the power of God evident in the church as they should be continuing today. The next thing we find in the Bible, we see this, multiplication. All through the book of Acts, we find not only were there miracles, but there were also a multiplication factor in the church. I'll just show you a few verses here. Acts chapter two, 3,000 people were added in a three-minute sermon. 3,000 folks came to church and was like, hey, I'm gonna be part of this. Uh, the, the Lord added to the church daily. More believers were added to the Lord. Acts chapter five, Acts chapter six, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly. Isn't that awesome? Like, come on, can we see that today in 2021 that everybody keeps talking like the church is going down? Actually, I believe in multiplication. I believe that the word keeps going forth, that the number of the disciples can continue to increase, not just a little bit, but greatly. The hand of the Lord was with them and a large number of believed turned to the Lord. These are just some factors here that I think you need to get in your mind that God's intention with the church, hear me, is to multiply it. Multiply small groups, multiply your prayer time, multiply your, your coming together, multiply attendance, multiply giving, multiply our worship. I, I, I've heard over my, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, so I've heard a lot of crazy stuff. But one, but one thing I've heard a lot of people say, the, that if a church is a bigger church, and it has a larger crowd, and there's a lot of people coming, then obviously that church is compromising the truth. That church is watered down. That church is that pastor, that worship team. They're doing something wrong to get all those people in the room. And my question would be, how do these people explain every verse I just read? How can, are you saying that Peter and John and the apostles were compromising because people were added? In fact, I would say it the other way. Sometimes the fact that God is with you, a true, could be the reality that more people want to get around you and more people want to hear the word and more people want to feel the grace of God and more people want to hear the presence, feel the presence of God. Let's not assume that less people means more authentic or more spiritual. Let's not assume that less people means more authentic or spiritual or that more people are more anointed and powerful. Hear me, more people just means more people. More marriages, more teenagers, more salvations, more baptisms. So let's put to rest this idea that we finger point at big buildings and think that they are incorrect or erroneous teaching when in reality they're just trying to serve God and reach as many people as they can before Jesus comes back. Is there anything wrong with trying to multiply the church like they did in the book of Acts? More people means more people. Here's another one. Uh, here's another one that, that will get your interest, I'm, I'm sure. Here we go. We have miracles. We have uh, multiplication. Here's the next one. Murmuring. <laughs> Whenever we are doing great things for God, we must be willing to understand that there is a cost to operations. And it is persecution. There is resistance. There will be misunderstanding. There will be, there will be oppositions. 
Have you ever realized that on Sunday morning, that's when you wanna fight with your family the most? <laughs> Is it just me? Like, on Sunday morning, my kids manifest a demon from hell. <laughs> like, you're just like, I command you to come out of her. It's a what, I don't know what's, it just, things just happen. Anybody, am I the only one? On Sunday morning, it just feels like, man, what's going on around here? I really do believe that Sunday is the day the devil hates, and so all of us coming together to worship and to gather, and the enemy doesn't want there to be unity and excitement and, and worship and progress, so what he starts to do is he starts to create murmuring or opposition or persecution. Let me show you uh, just a few verses in Acts. Peter and John were arrested for preaching the gospel, arrested, imprisoned, and beaten. Stephen was stoned to death. Christians scattered through persecution. James was executed. Paul was stoned. Sometimes we think that if it's a real move of God, then we would be, if we were on track, there would be no opposition. But I've come to show you today through the word of God that there is a murmuring, there is a opposition, there is a resistance to the work of the kingdom. And watch this, I wanna show you. Well, that was, that's it right there, power of God. Look here, watch this. And in those days when the number of the disciples multiplied, there arose a murmuring. So this, this particular verse is not just talking about murmuring from the outside, it's actually murmuring from the inside. I, I want you to listen to me for a minute. There's multiplication, the power of God, the church is growing, can't get them in the room, God is doing great things, we're on live stream, God's moving, but in the brethren there, were, there arose murmuring. It's one thing it's one thing for there to be opposition from the outside, but let there never be opposition on the inside. Let us come together in a spirit of unity. Acts chapter two, the Bible says that they were together in one accord, in one place, one purpose of mind, one focus, one, there was unity. There was alignment. This church will continue let me say it like this. This church will continue to do great things if we can keep the murmuring down. There will always be people who don't agree, that don't like this, that don't like that. And let me help you. I've been in church a little bit of time and I'm learning. I'm learning that you can't please everybody all the time. And let me help you today. I taught this to the staff a couple weeks ago, that there is a major difference, this is huge, huge, there's a major difference between alignment and agreement. I can be in alignment with you and not necessarily agree with you. As a church, it's important that though we may not always agree with the way things run, I guarantee if I go around this room, there's people that are hot, there's people that are cold, there's people that are upset, people that say it's too bright, too, 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 too dark, there's people that say Pastor Ethan's too, too ginger, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what people are saying. But if I take a poll, we're gonna get all kinds of stuff. We may not be in agreement, but one thing we can be is in alignment. That we are for God's people, we wanna love God, love each other, love his presence, love his word, and that's why we come together 
Alignment and agreement. Here, here's my last, my last point I wanna show you. My last point I wanna show you. This is it right here. Motion. There were miracles. There were multiplication. There was multiplication. There was murmuring. And the final thing is that there was motion. Let me show you Acts chapter 28. Watch this. Preaching. This is the last verse of the, of the book of Acts. Okay, we've just scanned this thing so quick. Are you still with me today? All right, all right. Last verse of the book of Acts in the Amplified Bible. Preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and boldness and, and unhindered and unrestrained. Now, let, let me give you a little context. This context, Paul was actually on house arrest, preaching the gospel, a few verses above, it actually mentions that he's technically in chains and he says he's unhindered and unrestrained. That doesn't make any sense. What Paul is saying is that it's not talking technically about the chains. It's talking about the movement because you can chain the preacher, but you can't stop the word. Despite persecution, Despite disagreements, despite internal issues, they just kept moving. The movement never stopped. That's why it's called the book of Acts, because it was action. And many commentators will say this, that this particular verse, when you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts ends abruptly. There's no closing remarks. There's no closing vibe. There's no salutations. There's no goodbyes. There's nothing. It just closes. Because they believe that the story isn't over. And we're still moving. And we're still preaching. And we're still reaching. And what started with 12 men moved to 120. And what went to 120 went to little villages and little villages moved to nations, and nations moved to continents, and people all over the world today are gathered in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we never stopped moving. Today in Little Hollers in West Virginia, somebody's worshiping God. Why? Because we never stopped moving. Today, someone in Texas is gathered in a storefront church. Why? Because we never stop. We never stop moving. Today, somebody's watching online, sick in a hospital bed, watching because somebody gave and contributed and made the online streaming possible. And because of your support and you never stop moving, somebody's hearing the gospel today all over the world. We never stop moving. Buildings have been built. Missionaries have been sent. Children have been saved. Outreaches have gone out. Tithe have come in. Staffs have been built. Altars have been filled. Salvations have been, have been, have been, have been happening. Why? Because we never stop moving. In the 18th century, in 1704, French missionary priests arrived to evangelize the area around the Mississippi River, which is now called Louisiana and Mississippi. And I want to tell you today, you're here because someone didn't stop moving. The church is not meant to be still. 
The church is not meant to be frozen in time. The church is not meant to be stuck. The church is a living organism that has to keep moving from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation and so that our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' kids' our kids, as kids, as kids will hear the gospel. Why? Because we never stopped moving. The church for 2,000 years has had its ups and downs, but we never stopped moving. The church has been talked about, but we never stopped praying. The church has been laughed at, but we never stopped giving. The church has been through some of the darkest times in history, but we've never stopped worshiping. The church has lived through assassinated presidents, world wars, depressions, recessions, pandemics, and epidemics, but we never stopped gathering. They've burned our buildings. They've buried our Bibles. They've even spilled our blood, but we've never stopped moving because we are the church. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot stop it, will not prevail. No devil in hell can stop the church. No imperfection can stop the work of God because on this rock I will build my We gotta have miracles. We're getting ready to close. You can stay standing. We gotta have miracles, church. We gotta have the Holy Spirit. We gotta have those moments of freedom where people can raise their hands and feel the presence of God. We gotta have multiplication. We gotta be growing. We gotta be reaching. We're gonna have murmuring. We're gonna have opposition, but we're never gonna stop moving. And in closing today, in closing today, I want you to do me a favor. I've never seen anybody do this, so we'll see if this is gonna work. When I start thinking of on Sunday mornings when I get up, I don't think of just vibrant church in Columbus, Mississippi. I think of the corporate church. It's a big deal, us getting together raising the name of Jesus and celebrating and sitting and hearing the word of God and, and getting to hug each other and connect and drink coffee together. It's a, this has to give hell a headache every seven days. But I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at this screen right here. On this big screen, it's coming. There it is. These are just some of the names of the churches in our community. And I want you to do me a favor. Can we take a moment? And I want us to stretch our hands forth to those churches. And we're going to pray that miracles come, that multiplication comes, that purpose comes, and that those churches and many, many others, and we're in the Bible Belt. I, I said, can you give me a bunch of churches? They said, how many you want? <laughs> but can we pray today that his kingdom come and his will be done? in these churches as they are in heaven.
Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Every single church, we pray for Fairview Baptist Church. And we pray for Revive Church and the Assembly and New Journey and Calvary Baptist and Caledonia United Pentecostal. We pray for Covenant United Methodist and Northside United Methodist and Our Savior Lutheran and Midway Church and Trinity Baptist and Hope Community Church and Emmanuel Baptist and Pine Lake and Authentic Church and First Baptist of Columbus and Columbus Church of Christ and Sunday Local and Kingdom Vision International, Stark Community Church, Border Springs Church, New Hope United Methodist, Mount Herman Missionary Baptist Church, Fourth Street Missionary Baptist, First Presbyterian, Lord help me, I'm getting tired, First United Methodist, Victory Baptist, Free Will Baptist, Life Church, Caledonia Baptist, West End Baptist, 15th Street Church of God, St. Paul's Episcopal God, we pray they're never gonna stop moving. We pray they'll never stop giving. We pray they'll never stop reaching people. We pray attendance will increase. We pray that money will increase. We pray that the people in their church will begin to grow spiritually and that lives will be changed and hearts will be transformed in this city, in that church. And on this rock, I will build my church. 